Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, let's shut that uh, blind so you don't have to look into the sun. Well, we are working our way towards a five mindfulness trainings transmission ceremony in August, and we're looking at each of the five mindfulness trainings in turn. And tonight we get to take up the third training. But before we do, I wanted to say a few words about the connection between meditation and ethical action. So there's, there's, uh, there's a reason that we take up an ethical practice like the five mindfulness trainings. It's not just because we uh, are masochists and we want to restrict ourselves from doing all the things that we that we really want to do. There's there's a there's a good reason here, and it's because behavior and our meditation are intimately connected. When our behavior is kinder, more straightforward, clearer, our meditation has those same qualities. It's also kinder and more straightforward and clearer. Um, when our behavior is grasping after things or pushing away things or intentionally ignoring things, well, we can expect exactly the same thing on the meditation cushion. There are, there are mirrors for each other. Our ethical behavior and our meditation are mirrors. You know, it's really hard to lie and steal and cheat and then come in here and sit down on the, on the meditation cushion and to have any sort of a peaceful experience while you're here. What will happen is the, the behavior, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, that will follow us right in and it will follow us on the cushion. And even more because we're opening up the space to look at it, it's going to be amplified in our attention. It's very easy for us to not pay attention to the effects of our actions when we're out in the world. But we come in and we sit on our cushion. Boy, it's right there. Nothing we can do to get rid of that. When we behave unethically, we have to invest a lot of energy into hiding that from ourselves takes a lot of effort to not see that when we speak unkindly to someone, that there's a cost to them and to us. We have to really try to not see that. So we can expect that if we're trying that hard to not pay attention to it while we're doing the action, when we sit on the meditation cushion, um, that's how we're going to be. You know, we're going to be shut down we're going to be distant from ourselves. In fact, maybe since this is a, a meditation is a mirror of our ethical behavior, we can look at not just the thoughts that arise, but what's happening in our body. Is our body all tensed and shut down? And if it is, it might be an indication that there's something we don't want to see in our ethical behavior. Uh, but I also don't want to suggest that we should judge ourselves if our meditation isn't calm. 
you know, that, that there might not be a direct link here and we don't have to sit down and say, oh no, I can't get calm. That means I did bad things. Uh, so I don't want to suggest that. But it is a possibility to, to open to saying, well, why am I so fidgety and, and impatient right now in my meditation? You, you might see something in your actions. Uh, in, the, in the five remembrances, we have the line, my actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground on which I stand. Uh, meditation allows us the opportunity to actually see the implications of our ethical behavior. Uh, we might see that in our body, we are either at pain or at ease. Maybe this is related to our ethical behavior. Or we might see that our mind is calm or at ease. And again, this might be related to our ethical behavior. Maybe we're frantic. Maybe we're still. It could be, it could be trying to tell us something. <clears throat> so one of the things that meditation does is it sensitizes us. It sensitizes us to ourselves and it sensitizes us to others as well. We see the traps and the chaos of our own minds. It becomes really clear when we give ourselves the opportunity to slow down. Mm, there's that whole old habitual way of being. And when this happens, <clears throat> at first it seems like really bad news because you had thought that you were really a much better person than that, that you didn't do those sorts of things, that uh, contrary to the way the rest of the world was, you were pretty darn good. And it's a real shock when you realize you're just like everybody else, that you're really no better, that you have the same proclivities, you take the same ethical shortcuts, you justify them just like everybody else. It's so easy for us to look at others, like, say, our politicians, and to think, I would never be like that. And then you recognize that maybe you don't do it on that scale, but, you know, it's right here, too. Mm. So at first, that seems like really bad news. But in actuality, it's the way that we can connect compassionately with other people we can let go of the idea that our ethical behavior is so much better than everyone else's and that I can judge you because you've made a mistake. No, we really see how much we are messing up all the time, how much pain we cause ourselves and others all the time. And so when we see other people doing that, we say, ah, oh, just like me, just like me. And that is compassion, to be with someone as a peer and not as, oh, pity, 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 aren't you, isn't it so terrible for you? But I don't have to deal with that. That's not compassion. Compassion is that says, oh, I recognize this. We share this. Mm. So the human mind is just a, really a self-generating machine. We've, we've, we create a self we um, support that self. We, we hide all the bad parts of that self from ourselves. We, we, we think we're hiding it from everybody else, but they all can see it. 
much better than we can. Um, yeah. But again, we see that everybody is just like this. So when we see them make these horrible ethical gaffes, we can say, ah, oh, just like me. Just like me. Especially now in our culture right today, we're doing all, we're spending so much effort to try and put a face on ourselves that looks so great. Look at Facebook, for instance. You know, you don't see anyone putting up there, oh boy, I really screwed this up again. It's always the, the, the great thing they just did, the great place they just went, the victory they just had at work or, or whatever it was. Oh. So we're also that way. We are putting out this false front. And it's just plain not true. So as a Sangha, we can give each other permission, give ourselves permission to not to have to carry that, to be able to come in here and say, boy, I really see how I'm screwing this up. I really made a big mistake. And to be able to hold that without shame or regret. When we can do that as a Sangha, then when we sit on the cushion, we can do that in ourselves. We can see that we don't have to hold ourselves with blame and judgment for what we think are our ethical lapses. We can just see it with a, maybe a sense of humor, with compassion. We can allow it. So we allow it as a Sangha. We allow it as an individual. And I think that then makes it easier for us to actually have ethical behavior because it's not such a big deal. It doesn't mean, if we have a lapse, it doesn't mean we're all of a sudden a failure. And uh, I, I, everyone else seems to be able to do it, but I just can't. No, we're all a bunch of schmucks just trying to get our way through. Hmm. We are all far more vulnerable and rough-edged and tentative than we want anyone to know. Ellen Bass, in her poem, If You Knew, there's this four-line stanza that I love. It's right at the end. What would people look like if we could see them as they are, soaked in honey, stung and swollen, reckless, pinned against time? All of us, covered with honey, the ants are all over us. Our back's against the wall. We're all going to die. You know, this is, this is a tough place to be. <clears throat> when we can accept how vulnerable we really are, um, we become kinder to ourselves and to others. And this kindness, which is grounded in an understanding of human nature, is the root of ethical conduct. So I'll say that again, this kindness which is grounded in the knowledge that we are all vulnerable and much more raw and exposed than, than we thought. This is the root of ethical conduct. We can let go of all our judgments, all our imagined superiority, and we can embrace everyone, including ourselves. 
So that's just a few words about how ethics and meditation are together and mirror each other. And I wanted to talk about that because that's really what we're, what we're doing here in this 10-week period, looking at these five mindfulness trainings, is we're trying to understand, well, why should we even have an ethical practice? What's the, what's the benefit for me to do it? Um, and so I, I, I'll just keep pointing us back to looking at different ways that it actually is a benefit to us to do this. And from personally, what I've found is that when I considered taking the mindfulness trainings, it felt very much like at first a whole bunch of restrictions that I can't do this, I can't do that. I thought, oh, can I live with that? Can I really not do all those things? But there was a moment when it all shifted and all of a sudden I, I opened out into a world of possibility, a world in which I wasn't continually shooting myself in the foot, in which I wasn't harming other people again and again, and then dealing with all of their pushback and anger from the ways that I was harming them. All the unkind words that I thought I was justified to say that if I actually stopped and waited a minute, I realized I don't have to say that. And then they didn't have to come back at me. It's been lovely. Mm. 